Welcome again to another episode of We Are Not The Dan Patrick Show. It's where you can find out about life, love, and just how that sandpaper does feel in a sweaty pair of cricket pants. Alrighty, and we're in. How we been, boys? Good, mate. So, oh, mate, I'm, uh, I'm doing all right. Much better than I was yesterday. Like I said, I felt like my butt cheek was going to split in half. I, uh, and that's just for any reference. That's uh, purely due to the fact that uh, I've just had surgery on my spine. No other reason, I swear. Yeah, context is important there. It really is. It really is. Like uh, you, you got to be very careful these days. Um, cause, you know, people might think that I was talking about something else, but you know, I'm not, I swear. Like, it's just back surgery. Get your head, get your mind out of the gutter. <laughs> All right. Now, look, lads, we've got plenty to go through, uh, this week. There's obviously a lot of sport coming back. Um, sports that are planning to come back. All that sort of gear is happening. Um, plus we'll also, um, have a chat about the NRL rule changes. Good, bad, indifferent, what we think about them. Um, and also from some spectacular, um, uh, just stuff ups on the weekend from the refs, um, particularly one that was in, in the game that uh, meant most to me with the pies, um, with, uh, the, uh, the, the umpire in a box with the AFL, um, sort of what, basically what we reckon about them and like, are they actually helping, hindering, like, and, and basically why do they get it wrong so often? Like we just, it's so glaringly obvious to everybody else except for them apparently. Um, so anyway, but, and if we get some time, um, we might run through a little bit about the articles that we've all written because, uh, we're going to pretend we're journalists now, um, and, uh, just give our opinions to everybody, but you know, whatever. And of course we'll go through, you know, the normal stuff. We've got the wanker of the week, I'm pretty sure. And Bondi has a cracker. He's pumped up for his, uh, for his obscure sport, mate. Yeah, mate. I am so excited about this one. I found it and I'm like, that's amazing. All right. Well, we don't want to don't want to get people's hopes up too much. You want to come in with low expectations. Yeah. It's, 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 it's a really crap one this week. It's, it's going to be rubbish. Um, it's not going to be good at all. All right. Um, all right. Now, what do we got? So now, now, okay. So we'll go we'll go through some news. We talked about now, Bondi. One of the things that you actually um, brought up was uh, the guys kneeling uh, in the AFL. Um, and sort of obviously, we're not going to jump into a big political debate about that whole movement that's going on at the moment with like Black Lives Matter and um and of course the um the Floyd deal and, and, and everything else that's happening over in the States and of course here in Australia with then there's just like a stack of vandalism going on with monuments and, and people are, you know, writing things all over, you know, Robert E. Lee's statue over in the States and stuff. But what what were your guys' thoughts about the the kneeling stuff? Well no, I know you had a specific point around um basically what they were trying to achieve, I guess. Yeah, exactly. So I am all for it. Like show of solidarity. Yep, racism is not acceptable anywhere. Um, that's a that's a that. that's a current courageous statement, mate. That's a courageous statement. <laughs> well, yeah, racism it shouldn't be a thing. Like you shouldn't see someone for the color of their skin, but for who they are, the type of person they are. So, hmm. um, I think that it should be worldwide. Like I, I don't understand where it comes from but further to that yep they took a knee show of solidarity great work guys but what is it trying to achieve like we're at the point now that it's been going on for about a month we need to start saying yep we're doing this because this is the outcome that we want but no one's got any direction no one has got any idea of what they want out of it they're just Yep, you know, Black Lives Matter. 
completely agree. Um, if they were going to do it and if it was just a show of solidarity, then I think, or well, either way, it should have come out with a press release by the AFL um, yeah. saying, hey, look, our first game back, this is what we're going to do because to the AFL, you know, Black Lives Matter, All Lives Matter. They went through the Adam Goods thing oh, five or six years ago now, however long that was, um, and there was a little bit of debate around whether that was about character or race, um, but not going to get into that one either. Um, but, but yeah, I just I would have liked to have seen a press release from the AFL to follow up the um, the display, the action of taking a knee. Oh, I, I agree with you, mate. I mean, it's just like, um, I, I guess it's what one one point I guess I'd make is just that it can be quite difficult to put like a, uh, I, I guess like a blanket, um, a blanket statement to to just say this is our one thing that we wanted, um, or to put together a manifesto or something. But you're right, though. It seems like the governing body, being the AFL or even just the, the clubs, like it could have just come from a club. It doesn't really matter too much. Um, like Richmond and Collingwood could have done a, a joint statement and said, you know, this is why we're doing it. Um, we believe in a, in a strong Aboriginal heritage, um, and we believe it's a similar thing. You know, it's not, it's not just, um, it's not just the, the states. It's not just in one area. It's not just localized to one area. It's, it's a global issue. Um, and it's something that we've faced in Australia. So this is why we want to, we want to bring it up. Cause I mean, there's, there's plenty of players that have been around. Um, that have brought this issue up. Um, everyone from like Cyril Rioli, um, there's Cockatoo, um, Kick It, you know, all these guys that got around that just used to used to want to do it, and they used to basically have a lot of issues. Leon Davis was another one, um, and they always had had significant issues. I remember um, Harry O'Brien um, had issues when he was playing for the Pies. Um, he when he was because he, he's Brazilian, if I remember correctly, in the in the Coos. Yeah, crazy. Um, Brazilian heritage. Yep. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, but he just happens to be like he just happens to have black skin. That's just you know that's just he's obviously got that in his heritage somewhere. Um, and he had issues as well. And and you know the Adam Goods thing as you brought up. So I think they need to basically just you're right, make a statement and just say, look, this is what the whole point is. Because I mean, journalists obviously take it to take it, you know, take it to pieces and really go through it and say this is what I think is happening. But it's all speculation until they actually say something. But what did you reckon, Coots? I think it all stems back to the famous image of Nicky Wimmer back in 93. That, that yes. was the first thing that stick in my head is, okay, like, this, this is not a new issue. This has clearly been going on long and, um, for years and years and years. And I think the really good show from Eddie Betts in particular on a weekend, because he had the, the social media trawler who came out and posted the, the picture of, we won't get into exactly what happened, but, um, rather than, turning the cheek or ignoring it. He actually he called it out. It was then investigated by the AFL. It was, I think it was an Essendon fan. He put it up for whatever reason. It's, it establishes that, joke aside, it's something that we don't like, no longer want in our game. And, you know, the players came out and they did the right thing. I concur with what Bondi said is, let's, let's have it. If the players are doing uh, some form of solidarity on the field, let's get the AFL behind it as well. Without harping on too much, everyone seems to be on the same page. Um, and with the introduction in the, you know, of Facebook and all these things in recent memory, although granted it has been around for a while, stamping out these kind of, uh, issues that are coming up, I reckon it's, 
you know, I'm, I'm all for it. And I think everyone of, of the rational thinking person would be. And I think the more we see the solidarity come about, the, the better. It can only make our game better. I agree. No, I think we're, we're all kind of, I think everyone's on the same page. It's just a matter of someone actually coming out and saying it and just, you know, going, okay, just the AFL communications team putting together a, just a, a joint statement and just saying this is something from all the clubs and from the governing body and this is what it is. So hopefully they do that. Um, and uh, they may have done it somewhere, but it's pretty well hidden because I couldn't find it anywhere. Um, but, uh, yeah, but look, it's, it's, it'll be interesting to see what, what, what actually comes of it. Um, cause I mean, it's not something that's going to go away, I don't think. Um, was there any other points on that that you wanted to go through? No. All right. Uh, well, the, the other thing I was just actually reading, um, it was, it was basically, it was in the Australian newspaper. I was having a bit of a read. Um, they had a new, uh, chief, uh, coming in for rugby union. Um, he took over yesterday, in fact. Um, and basically it's an interesting thing with rugby union, what's going to happen. Um, because they're obviously, the, the competition's very, uh, it's an international one. Like it goes across South Africa. Um, it goes, obviously the Kiwis play, uh, right across Australia, Japan. There's, there's a whole stack of countries involved, um, just in the, just in the super rugby. Um, and they're obviously struggling because of all the border closures and they can't start their competition up at all. Um, because it is such an international company, uh, it's international, um, competition. So they're talking about making a, Possible New Zealand v Australia type uh, competition where it's just like an inter-country thing where they still have all the, the clubs play, but they're saying that there's not enough money to go around, so there's clubs that are going to have to start merging. And I, the reason it stuck out to me was because it's a Brumbies thing, and Brumbies is my club, and I follow them. I've been following them since I was like five years old, um, and uh, basically they are talking about having to merge with the Melbourne Rebels, and. Uh, I'm not really happy about it. I know it happened with the NRL, but what, what do you guys think in terms of um, the rugby union and, and being able to reinvigorate through a smaller competition with just us and the, and the Kiwis um, and having less clubs but merging them just to pool resources? Mate, I have never really watched rugby union. Like, I've it's always been the gentleman's version of rugby league. It, it, appears um, like, it is a bit like that. You're right. Yeah, and it just, I've never heard or had a conversation where it's been of mass appeal or, you know, it's been the talking point, um, you know, because it is a worldwide event, like you said. Um, yeah, I don't know. I know the WA team got booted uh, a year or two ago now, um, but it just doesn't seem to have that. I don't know whether it's marketing or funding or what. Um, and they had that obvious problem with Israel Flair. Um, but, yeah, some rugby league players go to Union for money. So, you know, do they have not have enough coins in the coffers because they're paying their players too much? Or I, I don't know the story, but it just seems to be a downward trend um, as far as um, rugby union goes. Yeah, like, look, you're actually you're pretty much dead on the money, really. Um, the big problem with rugby union was that back in the 90s and through to probably, I'd say, the early 2000s, um, it was the, the golden era of Australian rugby union. We had, you know, John Eels, um, Campo, we had, uh, George Gregan playing for us, all these amazing guys playing, 
uh, rugby for it. Um, but you're right, it is a bit of that private school boys, because I think that's what they call it. It is a private school game, whereas rugby league's the public school game kind of thing, and that's why they feed the scrum on the other side and, uh, like all these other funny little things, like, that's just kind of like thumbing the nose at them. So, basically, with, with rugby union, uh, they, they definitely have money. Like, that's, that's definitely not an issue. I mean, Andrew Forrest now owns the Western Force and he's a billionaire. So, he's definitely not short of, definitely not short of coin. Um, but I think it's, maybe it is marketing because it certainly doesn't have any legs anymore. Like, I haven't, I haven't really, like, I, I follow it because I love the game. Like, I really enjoy the game. Like, it's, um, I love, I love a lot of sports, but I, I love rugby union. Um, but it's just, it's just something that really frustrates me, I guess, when clubs are going to have to merge, given that, you know, 20 years ago, this was probably one of the most prolific sports in the country. But now it's just, it's sort of, it's just like the NRL, where it's like, NRL is a lot more popular than Union, but it's money wise. NRL has got a different problem. It's money is terrible, but its popularity is high. Rugby Union's problem is it has more money, but its popularity is low. So you're like, well, I don't know, Coots, what do you reckon? I'm a little bit um, out of the loop in terms of rugby union. I forever got the two confused. For, uh, well, I'll be honest, I still get the two confused in, <laughs> in terms of union and league. But I think in terms of a, a domestic competition, noting that the, like you said, the Anna, uh, the rugby union league, Super Rugby, I think it's called. That's right. Yeah, so like you said, it's going to be hard to have X amount of teams over you know what, half a dozen different countries. So you, you can see the issues with that straight off the bat. We're not talking about Queensland and New South Wales battling it out for, you know, isolation, whatever. We're talking <laughs> about whole countries then not allowing other countries. And, and I'm amazed to an extent that NRL were, was able to continue while they just kind of abandoned the, the Warriors and sent them to Tamworth or, or Toowoomba <laughs> or wherever they sent them for a couple of weeks. So, um, but, but I've always found that I follow rugby, rugby union in the sense of when it's the Wallabies of representing Australia. So you watch them in the World Cup and you watch them in the Olympics, um, noting that it is more popular in the over in the UK and that apparently they love it. Yeah, it's um, massive. Yeah. So I follow. I mean, I, I follow Australia in everything they do that's on that's that's televised and um, rugby union is no different. I remember, I think the '03 World Cup when we just lost to England, and, and yeah. so so that sticks in my head. As to why a domestic league doesn't happen, you can understand how it's hard because you can't, you know, Australia is so big. Yes, it's an AFL dominated. We have the NRL as well. We have A-League. We have NBL. I guess the competition would really come from the NRL side of things. Yeah, definitely. Only because of the similarities between the two. So it, it, I'm sure that that's where you probably get a lot of the competition from, but... I guess the Super Rugby try to do the right thing and go, well, let's try and start kind of a Southern Hemisphere-style uh, a league where yeah. in Europe you have the advantage of having, okay, UK, Scotland, Wales, Ireland, all within a very close vicinity. Um, I think they play in France is quite big there, Italy as well to a lesser extent. So yeah. a similar thing happens there. So, yeah, in terms of wire competition, I imagine it's just the direct competition it has with all the other sports in Australia. I imagine rugby union in uh, South Africa is massive, probably second or on level batting with cricket even. So I can't yeah, or, and and soccer. So yeah, I, that, I can only imagine. Yeah, man. Well, hopefully it, it it does pick up. I mean, like maybe they've got to do similar to what the NBL did and just sort of. Um, 
regroup and, and, you know, consolidate everything and just sort of start again from, from the ground up really and, and spook. Cause I think they stopped spending money on grassroots as well, which is the dumbest thing you can do. You know, absolutely. The, the thing I can't get over is that if you have, if you're trying to get a rugby league and rugby union and soccer and AFL started up, we have three different types of cricket played in Australia and they're all as popular as <laughs> yeah. we have one test match. I granted that it, it in the international sense where it's Australia versus another country. Mm. But you factor that with one day international cricket and then the domestic BBL. The domestic BBL, I think I read the other day, it's constantly at 80 to 90% capacity or games That's sold huge. out altogether. So whoever is the driving force behind that needs an order of Australia or something because that, <laughs> that league is taken off like you wouldn't believe. And they're the people that you need to invest in. They're the type of people that you need to invest in if you want a rugby league uh, rugby union competition to be successful. No, I agree. No, that's actually a really good point. Um, they need to get some front office sorted out, I think, rather than the players, because it's not like it's lacking talent or, you know, coaching staff or anything like that. They've got the players ready to go. Like, they just need someone to really get the message out there and, and, and do it correctly, because you're right. That's actually, it, I think that's probably what the issue really is. It's not so much a funding issue or anything like that. It's just got to come down to basically, unfortunately, it's marketing. <laughs> like, Jesus, it's ridiculous. But, um, yeah, well, look, let, let's turn into some happier news, though. This, now, this was on the front page of the sports section of the Australian. Um, it's, it made me ecstatic. Hawthorne got thumped by Geelong. Um, it was, uh, it was a beautiful thing to see. Um, and I was, I was very, very happy that it made the front page of the sports section. So, uh, thoughts, lads? Coochie, all yours, mate. Oh, I didn't see the game. <laughs> <laughs> I tell you what, it was a game to half time and then Geelong, uh, sorry, Hawthorne just, they got smashed after half time. It's, um, from a Hawthorne point of view, there really wasn't too many positives out of it. Um, no. It, it realistically, the, the biggest thing that came out of the game, uh, from a, a, a generic AFL supporter point of view is it, is, um, Sean, oh my word, Sean Burgoyne, Silk, has effectively changed the rules of AFL. So yeah. the, 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 he, he um, sling tackle on Patrick Dangerfield where he pinned an arm, which led to them changing the rules, saying that rather than pinning the arms plural, is any arm being pinned in a sling in a sling tackle is now rather than an automatic fine is an automatic week suspension. Yeah. So now moving forward, if you pin someone, even if you pin one arm in a sling motion tackle it is an automatic week suspension on the basis of player safety which is fair enough it's hard to argue anything in in favor of player safety hard to hard to argue either way on it um, yeah I, I think it's it's going to be a tough one to enforce though similar to the shoulder charge in the nrl i think it's going to be uh a tough one for teams to get used to that sling tackle because sometimes like you just grab a jersey and you just swing it around like you, you, everyone's moving so fast like it's going to be tough to not do a sling but hopefully they they get it right and um, they enforce it correctly. Oh, absolutely. But from, as far as the game point of view, there's you know there's really not much left to say. There's there's not much from Hawthorne that left any positive impact on any on any sports fan. Really, it was that were, that were, it was as bad as I've seen Hawthorne after halftime. Mate, uh, how was the missus though? Was she okay after the after the poos and wees lost? Oh, I'm pretty sure I heard the father-in-law screaming from Woomera, man. Like, yeah, I don't imagine he was too happy with it. But, but yeah, well, mate, it was. Yeah, it was not a very impressive game, that's for sure. 
Was not well, one of the biggest upsets though that I didn't see. Maybe Bondi called it as the dark horse for the premiership. The Suns, mate, they got up against the Eagles. They destroyed them. Like they just forty-four points. Yeah, no more making fun of these Gold Coast teams. Um, <laughs> what's going on there? Um, yeah, that was that wasn't even a dark horse. That was like you know you. The horse next door running the Melbourne Cup, like, what are the, what were the odds on that? <laughs> but, um, yeah, just out of the blue. Um, but, but having said that, they won what the first four games of last season or something like that, and then mm. just face planted. Um, yeah, that's true. They they did poop the bed. They, they <laughs> snapped the nineteen week losing streak. <laughs> <laughs> And they did it in a good way, too. Yeah. What's Carlton on at the moment? I we just glossed over that one, mate. <laughs> <laughs> we'll pretend they, that, that one-point loss wasn't heartbreaking for you at all. Oh, I think we we won, like, uh, seven out of the last nine games or 12 games last year. The oh. second half of the season was better. I know that's when Teague took over, but we can roll on to the Melbourne Carlton game. That was as disappointing as first quarter I've ever seen from Carlton that completely flipped after quarter time. Mm. I think Melbourne kicked the first seven goals of the game before Carlton got on the board, and then they only kicked one goal after that. Yeah, I was going to say, you guys were completely like just donut in the, in the first quarter. Like You could not hit the broad side of a bar with a banana. Oh, we, we, we couldn't get our hands on the ball to miss anything. That, that was the strange thing about it. We, um, uh, credit to Melbourne, Maxi Gorn and that midfield with Petrarca and Viney, they absolutely smoked us in the first quarter. And uh, it, it looked like it was going to be a lot worse than it was. And then you know, credit to Carlton, I think Teague spent the whole quarter time with the midfield group and gave them a rocket. And it was a completely different game after that. And I think in all the areas that they smashed us in the first quarter in terms of hit-outs, um, contested possessions, tackles and clearances. We ended up winning all of those areas of the game. The only thing that really left us, I say us down as a Colton fan, was just the polish going forward, seeing Paddy Cripps drifted forward. He kicked one goal, but he missed two. Mm. Um, Martin missed an easy one. You know, it, there was so many. I think, well, one from seven from set shots as well. So we had all the plays, particularly after halftime, had all the run, had all the legs, had all the ball. And Melbourne, to their credit, against the flow of the game, get the singular point that was required for the four points. And you can't really, you know, you can probably say it was Carlton's to lose, and it, it probably was. We really should have won that game, and I guarantee you that one will sting. Yeah, that, that one will come back to probably bite you. Well, I mean, if, if you guys can uh, stay competitive like that throughout the season, um, that, that, that one-point loss may come back to bite you later on down the season. You never know. Well, absolutely. I think there's a statistic out there. I can't remember it from the top of my head, but if you drop the first two games of the seasons, your chance of making the finals drops astronomically on a, uh, what, now 17-week season? Yeah. Uh, yeah. I'm, I'm sure if you drop the first two games, it's going to take, you know, virtually a miracle for you to play finals again because I think we're going to have we're going to have several teams miss out on finals due to percentage, I reckon. I was going to say, yeah, percentage-wise, it's going to be a big deal, but... Uh... It'll be interesting to see. Now, um, the only other thing, the other two points I thought, Western Bulldogs, uh, I thought they were much better than that, losing to St Kilda by nearly 40 points, so over six goals. That was that was a bit of a shock to me. I, I thought the Doggies were going to do much better than that. Um, they were basically competitive till about probably quarter time, um, and then they just fell away. Um, 
And oh yeah, and of course, the other, I can't believe I almost forgot about this. Adelaide getting absolutely just pummeled by Port. That was that was the biggest win of the of the, of the week, I think. Seventy five points, um, and a seventy five point drubbing when it's shorter quarters. That's just ridiculous. It was the um, biggest winning margin of a showdown in his in in the history that they've played each other as well. So yeah, I mean. It beggars belief to exactly where Adelaide are at. You understand that they've lost a lot of players since they're in the 2017 grand final, a new coach in there as well. Mm. Uh, yeah, but, I mean, they they looked as bad as you can expect. Well, beyond what you'd expect from Adelaide at this point. Um, rolling on the weekend, an interesting point that I, that I, uh, I found is that both Melbourne clubs in North Melbourne and Essendon that did the same day travel to Sydney. They actually shared a plane. They actually shared the jet on a flight to Sydney. Flew same day, uh, same flew same day as the game, and then right. back that night. Both right. of those teams got up over the Sydney clubs. <laughs> That's hilarious. So, so it's got a kind of a, in the vodka, mate. Uh, well, who knows what they were serving on that plane? But essentially, you kind of you can't really complain about travelling now. These guys flew. The same day that they played, several hours before they played, both beat Sydney and GWS respectively, and then flew back that night. So you know, there's no excuse for travelling now. Nah, definitely not. No, hundred percent not. No, no excuse at all, mate. I mean, they did. They um, it was, they actually played really well. Come to think of it, like I mean, the Sydney the Sydney Bombers games, I actually really liked them. They're always quite good. Um, I think it's possibly the rivalry stems from the old South Melbourne days. Um, when they, the, 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 cause the Swans used to be South Melbourne, right? That's what they were? Correct, yeah. Yeah, that's right, yeah. I was, I was wanting to make sure I wasn't being crazy. But I'm pretty sure, like, that was, um, that, that rivalry from back then used to stem from, uh, from years and years ago until they migrated up to Sydney. Um, but they're always good games. Um, I love watching, um, Sydney Essendon for some reason. They're always crackers. Um, but they did well. Brisbane had a win, um, as well. But, um, I think that's, was there any other points from the AFL, uh, for the weekend, mate? Are we going to gloss over the draw from your boys? No, oh, sorry. That's, I was going to say we'll talk about that later on when we talk about the the umpire um, in a, in the box because I'm pretty I'm pretty pretty peeved about the whole thing. So uh, I'll, I'll unleash later. <laughs> Too easy. Um, but Bondi, mate, the NRL, uh, our boys, unfortunately, um, decided to um, make me have a mild stroke, um, and uh, they lost uh, by 11 points to the bloody Warriors. Yeah, look, that'll happen when you play. Not even 60 minutes of an 80-minute game. Um, yeah, so they're back they had to like 55 this week. Yeah, they're back to the Cowboys of old. Um, even the commentators were uh, in the box saying how they were out on their feet. Um, they just weren't performing. No one was doing anything. Of um, Tal Malolo was back. I don't know how fit he was, but he was kept very quiet. Um, so, yeah, just a poor performance all round. Um, I don't think the Cowboys are used to the new the new rule um, that we're going to touch on a bit later as well. Mm. Yeah, absolutely. It, it's funny, like uh, 137 metres and 53 tackles for, for Tamalolo is a quiet game, but he was. It, it, it just his presence wasn't. Um, it just, it just wasn't there. But it, statistically, he he still had uh, a quite a good game, but for his standards. He played, uh, what did he play? He, he played 63 minutes, and normally he's pretty, he's a bit closer to an 80 minute player than that. Um, so I don't know, he just wasn't as good. But look, I, I think we were carrying a few injuries as well. We were missing, 
uh, of course, Morgan. Um, but I thought that um, Clifford and Drinkwater did quite well in the halves anyway to fill in, but they just didn't quite sort of hit the standards when they needed. Um, and, of course, buddy Valentine Holmes, he's gone down with an injury. So, hooray. Looks like he's going to be out for a while, and they're going to stick the um, the rookie, um, Hammer Time. He's going to head into, because uh, I can't say his real name, so I'll just call him Hammer Time. <laughs> it's a hell yeah. of a it's, it, it's a two-dads name, so I've got no idea. So his other name is The Cheater. Um, so we'll, <laughs> we'll save judgment on how quick he is, like the... Um, like the commentator said, we'll save judgment on that nickname until he gets a bit of open space. But that's uh, the cheater yeah, performed... speech, by the way, not the cheater as in he takes drugs. <laughs> yeah, um, he performed quite well at full back. Uh, I was calling for Scotty Drinkwater to be dropped back, but um, yeah, yeah, same. he um, he did well back there, so um, that'll be good. Um, a positive though, I've been a little bit dubious on. Uh, Holmes the last couple of fortnights or a couple of weeks, uh, but the heart that he showed to play on with that injury um, and to get back out on the field, he had it strapped and then strapped a little bit more um, and wanting to get back out on the field and help the boys out. So a lot of heart to the man, uh, which I deeply respect. So good on him. Yeah, that definitely credit credit due there for sure. He, he did very very well. Um, Warriors, of course, just. They're just so inconsistent, but they just seem to, if, once they find that second gear, they just go absolutely bananas, um, and off they go. 37 points, they, they just did very, very well. They played very well. But um, one of the weirder games, though, was actually the Thursday night game. The Broncos, they go up 18-0 and then lost 20-18. to like, That was bizarre. Yeah, I was really excited for the first 20 minutes of that game. Um and my father-in-law is actually a massive Bronco supporter, uh, so I could hear him from here. Uh, <laughs> and then, you know, everything started to go downhill. They just giving away penalties. They, like, I even messaged you at halftime going, I think yeah. there's a possession problem here. And uh, I had a look at the stats. It definitely wasn't a possession problem. It was an no. error rate. 100%. Uh, so missed tackles. Um, errors, penalties. Brisbane just gave the game away. Like, it was terrible. Yeah, you, you're not wrong, mate. I mean, they, they didn't do anything after about, I think, uh, when was the last? 20, 29 minutes. So it was 29 minutes in was the last try they scored, and from there on they just did nothing. Um, I mean, Manly came back. They did quite well, even with Marty Tepau getting injured. Um, they still had plenty of go forward. They seem to actually have a bit of depth on their bench, which is nice. They don't normally have that for Manly, so they did well. Um, and, and yeah, like the Broncos, mate, they just, it's, I think Darius Boyd, he's probably lost a step. He needs to probably, probably give up the ghost a little bit there, but they've got Brody Croft on quite well. Um, you know, they've got Payne Haas, who is, he's sort of like their version of Talmalolo. He nearly gets 200 meters a game. He's a beast. Um, but then they just, they just don't seem to just, Find that next gear. They don't seem to have that. That they just put the foot on the throat and and finish the game off. They just don't have it. Maybe because they're too young. Do you reckon? I, I don't know. No, I read an article this week that got me thinking. Um, because they're historically Bennett's Broncos. Um, he's been in and out of the club for as long as I can remember as mm, coach. Like he's moved to the Knights, he's moved to the Dragons, but he's ended up back at the Broncos. Um, and he's only moved away just recently again. Um, but yeah, it was Bennett's, uh, Bennett's Broncos, uh, 
and Seabold's coaching strategy um, just didn't align with Bennett's coaching strategy. So the players are trying to adjust um, and they just haven't had that time. So uh, they've given free reign to Seabold to change whatever he needs to to get these players performing at the standard they should be. So um, I think there's going to be a lot of changes in the Brisbane camp, in the culture, in the uh, the tactics of the game, the plays they run, that kind of stuff. So uh, give them a few weeks, um, and I reckon you'll see Broncos back being competitive um, once the players get used to those changes and actually adjust to the idea that Bennett's not coming back. <laughs> um, yeah. I, th- I think they'll start performing. No, fair enough. No, I, I think I'll get you there. I think just, they still need to maybe gel. That's a good point. Um, just any, any change in regime is going to happen. Um, that's just, it takes a little while. We see, we see it in the NFL, the AFL, like when, uh, when Lyon took over, um, for, for the Dockers, that kind of stuff. Like it, it just takes a little while. Um, for, for those coaching changes to really sink in and, and then they end up being quite good once it, once it works out, provided the regime's going to, going to be solid. Um, I mean, yeah, the NFL, look at Kyle Shanahan taking over the Niners. I mean, it took two years and they've been spectacular since. So, um, it just, or sorry, one year, I think, and then the second season, they were great. So it's interesting. We'll see what the, what the Broncos do. Um, throughout the, for the rest of the games, the Titans went back to their usual selves and got pumped by the Rabbitohs 32 to 12. Um, they, uh, were pretty, pretty wonderful. They, they, they just went back to their, like, they, they, they made me think they were going to be good last week, but, um, they fooled me. Good on them. Um, and then the Knights actually surprised me. Um, obviously, the Storm's a very good team, but they went down 26 to 12. I thought they'd be a little bit more competitive than that. Yeah, look, I did too. Um, I think there's... I, I don't really know. I think it's a consistency problem that we're looking at at the moment. So whoever gets the run of the play... Um, definitely gets um, an advantage. So, you know, if you give away, you know, a couple of repeat sets, then, you know, the other team down the other end of the field running off the back, you know, you've just run backwards 80 metres trying to defend. Um, So you're on your heels, gives those scoring opportunities. um, Well, gives the team greater scoring opportunities. So I think uh, for that one... Melbourne were just too good. Um, they got the Knights on their heels and they just could not lean forward. So, uh, yeah, again, I'm going to blame rule changes um, and probably a little bit of match fitness um, consistency in the play as well. That's fair. That's a fair point. Um, I think the Storm, they're just very good at that. They always have been um, with Bellamy there. They seem to, as soon as they sort of put you on that uh, the back foot, then they'll just keep you there the whole game. Um, you've got to be very careful to not let them do that, and you've got to basically not let them control the game because once they do, that's it, you're done. Um, they can win a game 9-8 if they have to. They don't really care. Um, that's just what they do. Um, and, of course, the Raiders had a win against the Tigers. Pretty decent game. It was close, competitive. Um, the Dragons beat the Sharks 30-16. to and the Roosters had yet another huge game, 42 to 6. They beat the Doggies. Um, the Roosters are, they've got to be premiership favourites. They are just ridiculous. Yeah, definitely the team to beat. Um, I mean, Tedesco, three tries. Yeah, and three, um, try assists. 
Yes, uh, the true. Mate, he, was, he was 194 uh, points in Supercoach. Good on him. Yeah, and a point to note that the Roosters did 59 points on Brisbane without Tedesco. Oh, yeah. Um, <laughs> and if Tedesco can perform like that... Um, oh, Imagine if he was inside. Oh, unbelievable. So... Um, yeah, I think, <laughs> yeah, Teddy's a weapon that you need to keep quiet. Uh, the Morris brothers, again, uh, just, you know, got that experience behind them. So there's a few key areas of the Roosters you need to focus on and keep quiet to have a chance. Mm. So I agree. Yeah. If you don't wrap him up, then, um, yeah, you're going to be stuck. But they've also got a few good players in there as well. Like Lindsay Collins does quite well. Angus Crichton's very solid. Luke Carey was actually surprisingly quiet, um, but they seem to be doing quite well anyway. They don't seem to, um, but they've got they've got plenty to go forward regardless. They they just seem to be a very good team. Um, but I think that's pretty much all the news that I know of, guys. Did you guys have any other points? No, I'm good. Cool. All righty. Well, look, let's uh, let's whip through and have a bit of a look um, at a couple of things. Uh, we had the new rule changes come through. Uh, we wanted to have a bit of a chat about it last week. We ran out of time um, with the NRL. Um, we've seen a few games go through now, and and you're right, Bondi, with what you're saying. Like you've brought it up a few times where um, it, it's just basically you can tell the teams that have really drilled in well what the rule changes are. So obviously the six again rule and, and a few other things like that. They just have the speed of the game at different points that, that goes really, really well. Now my opinion is that, um, with the refs just basically just waving the hand whenever there's a penalty rather than having a kick with a touch or, or, or a tap or anything like that, resetting the, the, the 10 meters or anything like that, just saying, yep, cool, six again, off you go. Um, I think it's, it's a very interesting way of keeping the game going. And if you're the defending team, like you can get, you know, back to back a couple of sets, you'll be absolutely knackered. So it's an interesting way of managing it. But what, what are your thoughts, mate? Yeah, look, I think it's a fantastic change. So it's definitely highlighted fitness for a lot of clubs. So, um, the rule change is if there's an infringement in the ruck, then the penalty or the repeat six will be waived. Um, the exception to that is if the attacking player loses or gets stripped of the ball or is pushed over. So um, anything to prevent him playing the ball is um, deemed a penalty. Uh, but any infringement, so grabbing a leg yeah, or the ball, lying in the ruck, yeah, so any of that kind of infringement is the six again. So a lot of players, particularly lying in the ruck, uh, when they're getting tired, the forwards are getting gassed. Um, That'd be like me and take... Pizzi, eh? We'd just be like laying on top of him, just going. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so um, it's, you know, taking a penalty for the team, giving the boys a minute breather, that kind of stuff. Um, it was always a thing, like teams on chip. But now that you can't give your forwards that rest, you're actually penal- penalising those players for an infringement in the ruck. Um, yeah, it's really highlighted the fitness side of things uh, and kept gameplay uh, going. So it's added an extra three and a bit minutes to a game by waving the six again rather than having play stop, going to a penalty and that mm. kind of thing. So mm. um, a lot better viewing and um, 
Yeah. We've seen school blowouts, and I reckon it's probably somewhat to do with that um, and the fitness that hasn't caught up yet. So I think the score lines are going to draw closer and closer once the players get to work on their fitness. Um, but I think it's a great idea by the NRL to keep the game going. I, I think I agree with you for the most part. But Cootsie, what do you reckon? Like I, I'm, I'm always been a fan of of the big forwards with the big run up and the big huge like the big units that are not necessarily the fittest. Like we all love, you know, we miss old Georgie Rose and and all these other big lumbering units like. Much like myself, or maybe so. I'm just thinking about that. Like I'm, I'm not a <laughs> human, but you give me the ball and I'll, I'll run in a straight line real hard, and I can. I'm, I'm not going to be fast, but I'll, I'll break through a line, sort of thing. Like you know, that's that's what those sort of tactics. Are. But maybe like you know, the old pocket passes are going with the days of old. Do you reckon that if they're, they're going to try and get rid of the fat blokes? Well, let's hope not. There's nothing better than a fat guy celebrating. Hundred percent. So you gotta love a fat guy dance. Um, I hope not for that exact reason. I, li- I like what Bondi said. I, as a somewhat neutral and uneducated rugby, I won't say fan, we'll go step back. I've followed it a little bit. You're it's a rugby the, acquaintance. That's, yeah, exactly right. It's, it's that, I hate that the, any time that a game is, is constantly flowing, there isn't a stop, there isn't a penalty, and then the dude just kicks the ball out of bounds in the full and then they move forward to a point, which I never really understood. But the point I'm getting at is that any time that, rather than the, um, the the referees stopping the game, if they can keep the game flowing, surely that has to be more appealing to the to the spectator. But also, if you're the team that has the penalty or the advantage that you're allowed to, then the umpire goes, "Yep, six more," and crack on and go. Then surely that's got to be a better advantage because the the play on is. Well, essentially, it's a play on or an advantage rule, and it doesn't allow the 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 team that defense that is essentially playing defense any time whatsoever to get let's get in line, let's get set up, let's go. It's got to be more an advantage to the attacking team um, because the game is a lot more flowing. It doesn't allow the defensive team to like man up or strategize, even if it's only for a matter of seconds. So I'm I'm all for it. No, you're right. I mean, I think it's it's going to be very interesting. The only thing. That worries me, and this is this purely just comes down to just because the games are constantly being faster and faster, trying to get more and more scoring on the board because it's more exciting and all that sort of stuff is the longevity of players. Um, I, I do obviously, obviously this year is a little bit different because they've had a bit of a break in the short, and it's a bit of a truncated season. Um, but I think next year it's going to be interesting to see. Um, injuries and uh, how the players go um, with meeting those standards that the, of the, that the game is going to require because it was already a fast-paced game as it is. Um, we're not quite like the Yanks where we're going to stop after every play and, and go, okay, everybody, we're going to organise where we're going to stand and we're going to go through this now and then we're going to throw it to him. Oh, it didn't work. Okay, we're going to take 20 minutes to figure this out again. <laughs> So like that, we're not, we're not like the Yanks. We do that. It's no. it's um, the NRL takes it's it's already a fast paced game and it goes eighty minutes just full on. So I don't know, Bondo. What do you reckon that they've got to watch for injuries, or is it just a matter of managing fitness? Um, I think it's going to restructure the bench, um, the kind oh, of players point. that you've got on the bench. Um, so uh, we've seen a couple of teams go to two hookers. Uh, just to keep up with the <laughs> Sorry. Wait, wait, wait. Wait, wait, wait. 
Was this part of that scandal they talked about earlier? <laughs> <laughs> sorry, sorry. Thing. I'm sorry. Yeah. Sorry, that, number nine. They've got a number nine on a utility. All right, that's that's what we'll call it. What did you just call me? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> call me a dummy, huh? <laughs> Um, oh, Sorry, that was immature, but I couldn't help myself. <laughs> I was fine until I saw you and I lost it. That was it. <laughs> well, Bondi said teams went to two hookers. What do you want from me? <laughs> anyway, sorry, but yeah, you're right though. I think they they do. They've gone to having that that um, they always have like a, a number nine. Traditionally, is an 80 minute player, um, but now you're right. They've got a number nine that can. Um, they can sometimes leave their, their dummy half on, but then they can bring in their utility to take some pressure off. It can slot into the halves, slot into um, the centres or the wings, but they can also go and relieve the dummy half if they have to. Yeah, absolutely. So um, the Cowboys have done it. They've actually changed from Granville. I don't know whether this is a permanent change or not. But um, I hope so. Yeah, me too. <laughs> um, so... Be interesting to to watch um, that interchange bench transform um, to see what kind of quality. But I think the size of players across the board are getting bigger anyway. Um, so again, going back to the Morris twins, they're both big lads. Um, players across the board, you know, your centers and those kind of guys are getting bigger and bigger. Uh, so. You know, more willing to take hit ups, more willing to run the ball, uh, rather than let your big men through the centre do all the work. So, um, yeah, I th- it may become more of an injury concern. I think it'll just cut a bit of size um, and build a bit of fitness uh, in the front rows. Yeah, look, it, it'll be it'll be interesting to see what they do um, because they, they did. I know there was a couple of teams last year. They moved to a lot more mobile um, benches, and they wanted to have a lot more speed coming off the bench. So, when I mean, the Cowboys did it with, like, they put Cohen Hess in, um, who's uh, an impact player coming off the bench. Um, but it's going to be interesting to see what they do, whether the second row type players um, become more important. But at the same time, I, I just think guys like Tal Malolo, um, Payne Haas, um, Francis Molo. Uh, all, all these guys that they're still going to be just—they're just going to have reduced minutes. I think that's just what's going to happen. They're just going to have to play twenty minutes on, take a breather. Twenty minutes on, take a breather, and they're just going to have a forward rotation. That's just going to have this—they're just going to structure it that way. But I, I feel like if that's what they're going to do and make the game more explosive and more flowing, then they probably should do something about the interchange, um, up the interchange allowances for the game. Um, so that way it's uh, a bit uh, a bit fairer. So that way they can. You know, let the forwards breathe, for God's sake. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, no, it's interesting to see rule changes flow from this, whether there are any or whether it's just strategy changes. No, I agree. I agree. Um, all right, was there any other points you guys had on the uh, NRL rule changes? Any any thoughts? No. No, mate. All right, well, look, let's, let's go and have a look at uh, the AFL. Uh, now, like I mentioned before, uh, Kootsie asked the question about the uh, pies, and what happened there? Um, now, for anyone that didn't see the score, it ended up being 36 all drawn with the Tigers. Um, now you can imagine how ecstatic I was. Um, I was jumping for joy. Um, it was just ridiculous. Now, honestly, I was so I was so unhappy. I basically saw 
the grand final against West Coast a couple of years ago uh, all over again. It um it was basically where we we flew out to a lead. We were playing. The first quarter was ridiculous. We kicked the first. Oh, I think it was like four goals. Kept them, kept um, Richmond goalless in the first quarter completely. Um, they scored, I think, one behind from memory. Um, they were doing, we were just doing so well. We then proceeded to do nothing um, for the next three quarters of the game. Um, now, the the reason I bring that up, and the reason it's it's important for talking about the AFL with the the changing of um, like overturning on on uh, on field rulings. Now, you've got your goal umpires that are right there. You've got your referees that are on the field, and you can kind of see what's going on. Now, on the field, um, from what I remember anyway, it was ruled one way. They go to the pocket referee. Now, Kuta, you and I both looked at it from the angles, and we couldn't see um, any difference. Like, we, we couldn't see anything to overturn what, on, on, what the actual on-field ruling was, yet they did it anyway. And it was clearly... It, I don't know. I thought it was wrong anyway. But what what what, did, what were your thoughts on it? What did you get from it? This highlights everyone's issue with the video ref. Yeah. So if you have any, if you ever watch a replay of it, um, so Jack Martin from Richmond, he marks the ball. There, both the boundary umpire and the goal umpire are positioned perfectly. They are yep. the, the classic umpire stance. Goal either side of the line. One is just inside the point post, staring at the goals. The other is vice versa, just inside the goalpost, staring across at the point post. Yeah, they are in the best position to make the call. 100%. The goal umpire then reports to the field umpire, and I believe that he said, "I I think it was a mark." Yes, I can't, I can't remember what he thought. Now, um, the goal umpire declared, and either way, he was in the perfect position to make the call. Yep. I think he said he, it was a behind. He just wanted to see if he marked it over the line or not. Correct, yes. I, can't, I think that was the ruling. So the, um, the, goal, the, the goal umpire said, um, can I, I, I just want to check if the ball across the line. In AFL, the ball has to be all the way over the line for it to then be deemed as out of bounds. Correct, yeah, yeah, but, yeah, yeah. But the issue we all have with it is if the, the umpire in the box is looking at the same things that we are from the fa- as the fans... There was nothing definitive to overturn the mark, over, overturn the ruling. Yeah, exactly. So that, that's right. That, exactly. So that's the issue that we have as fans watching it. And even neutral, you know, Richmond Collingwood means nothing to me. It was just a great goal to watch, but it just leaves the, it leaves the spectator bemused that the box umpire can make that decision based on if he's looking at something different. That's fine. Then you need to show the rest of the world what he's looking at. The other thing I couldn't get over is the angles we saw. One was a like a, um, a press box view. You couldn't tell either way. Even mm, though his legs yep. were behind, you couldn't tell either way. The other view was from the point po- from one goal, the far goal po- post, which was the view was then obscured by the near goal post. Yeah. So beggars belief, if you have cameras in each goal post, staring across at each other and down at what you're looking at. Mm. then surely the point post and goal post on either side of the goal should have that in play as well. Correct. So that that was the biggest takeaway, that is, is nowadays with all the technology we have, we're still having these calls that have just left the fans amazed that one one guy in the box, based on everything we're saying, can make that call. And there was a, um, a poll put up on the AFL website where they've asked the readers, is, do you think, looking at the footage, do you think it was a goal or not? 
it was slightly more in the favour of no to what I thought it was. It was 55% of people thought it was a no, but the the point I'm getting to is the video referee has essentially deemed 100% he did mark the ball within the field of play, which then allowed yeah, him to play allowed him keep the goal. goal. Yeah. So if you have, as the common fan, granted we may not have whatever training that this umpire has had to make that call, but you're saying 55% of people, there's a big enough split in the division of the yes or no that raises questions. We're not talking 3% say no or vice yes. versa. Yes, it, it is split 50-50 to people. Therefore, if the goal umpire can't um, irresputably overturn that, surely it's got to be the umpire's call there. That's I, the I, biggest that's issue the point. this. That's yep. the point, exactly. No, that, you, you, that's exactly right. What you said there is perfect. It is that... I can completely understand if it's an obvious mistake and and you're like, well, look, obviously umpires can make errors on the field uh, because it can be moving too quickly, it can be obstructed, anything can happen, right? But these guys, like you said, were in perfect position to see what was going on. He clearly, it it was clearly behind. He shouldn't have had the opportunity to to kick the ball. Um, But at the same time, if if that's what the call is on the ground, well, there's no way he could have seen it to say, well, that's completely different. That that call's wrong, so I'm gonna I'm gonna overturn it. And it's the same with the NRL. Like we saw it, we saw it last week. Um, we saw the we we talked about the the forward pass with Manly. Um, and of course, then we saw the knock on with Manly. Like it was just it was just a debacle with the with the umpiring. And of course, the uh, they go to the pocket referee to check it all, and they they can't they they overturn it or they don't overturn it or they just. It's just, it's really interesting what happens when we see it and we go, well, how the hell could you possibly know 100% sure? Because you, you can, that, that decision, that literally, you like, cost the pies the game. Absolutely. So I've got the quote here from the eight years. The goal umpire, so we're talking about the Jack Higgins mark in the AFL. Hmm. The goal umpire had told the field umpire that he thought it was a behind before going to a score, a score review. Yes. So in order for the video ref to overturn that, there has to be undisputable evidence that the ball was undisputable evidence either way. Mm. If based on that poll, the average person has gone 55 think the um, um the decision was correct, 31 said, uh, sorry, 55 said no, 31 said yes, 14 said there were the footage was inconclusive. There mm. has to be 100% undeniable evidence that he marked the ball within the field of play. Based on the footage we saw, you can't make that call. 100%. No, I completely agree with you, mate. I think it's 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 an issue across. Like, we could expand that conversation to basically every sport, um, except for maybe horse racing. Um, horse racing is probably the only one that's that's pretty bang on because they can go to the, the review and it's just whoever crosses the line first, so it's not such a big deal. Mm. But when you're looking at things um, that they go and have a look at, NRL, rugby union, cricket even. Cricket's a big one. Uh, Absolutely, cricket's, yeah. Cricket's huge. Um, we, we talked, I think, uh, uh, not long ago about the um, the snickometer and, and all the different things that they use. Um, what, what else have they got in their Bondi? For the, they got the heat mapping? Yeah, they've got the uh, delivery um, review system. So, yeah, the snicko, uh, the projected ball path, that's right, uh, ball park. That's the other one I was thinking of. Yeah, so they've got a few different ones. Hotspot, like I said. So mm. um, there are a few different tools at the umpire's discretion to use in there for for that kind of thing. Um, for the AFL and the NRL, uh, 
one, you guys touched on this, but technological advances. I'd like to see Spidercam or something like that um, come into it a little bit as well, particularly to get the angles um, in NRL for forward passes, that kind of stuff. Um, cricket used Spidercam really well, um, and it, it could be something that could be employed in these different sports just to try and give that bird's eye view angle of what's going on rather than, you know, a couple of guys looking at a goalpost going, oh, I think that's in. Um, <laughs> so, yeah, you know, just something for the pocket ref, the VRF to have a look at. No, I agree. I think that they did in the NRL, um, they they did have like a spider cam thing for a little bit. Um but I think the problem was, this was, I think this was the issue with the flywire that goes across the top. Um, they didn't think to actually make it high enough so when the players boot the ball, um, <laughs> that it would hit it. Uh, so it became an obstruction on the field. So apparently they didn't think that one through real well. Um, but anyway, that's, that's just a, a basic test that you'd think, who can kick the ball the highest? Okay, cool. Let's check that out. Okay, the X meters high. Sweet. Let's make it higher than that. They didn't yeah. quite think that bit through. But anyway, um, cool. Would, would, did you guys have anything else you want to talk about with pocket umpires and how much we hate them? Or? No, I just um, had a look at the salaries for AFL umpires, and this is going back to 2017, but the um, on-field umpire, 150K, uh, and boundary and goal umpires get paid $60,000 back in 2017. So, Bit of a rip-off, you know, really. you pay, Yeah, you're paying peanuts, you get monkeys. Um, mm, that's it. I feel sorry for these guys officiating games under this kind of scrutiny, um, getting paid 60k. That is not much coin at all to be put under that level of pressure. So, I agree. Um, come on, AFL. Yeah, bang yeah. on, absolutely. Mate, yeah. I, I did I did an exhibel, uh, exhibition NBL game, right? And guess how much I got paid? Sixty thousand dollars. For that one game, exactly right. No, uh, no, no. I, I got paid. I got paid a hundred bucks. Hundred bucks for the for, for doing an a, exhibition NBL, like national level game in Australia. Singapore Slingers came across and played back when they were playing, um, and uh, I, I refereed that national level game exhibition, and they gave me a hundred bucks to do it. And it's it was just it, it's just referees get paid. You're right. The 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 peanuts monkeys analogy is about right, and and that seems to be something that. It's starting to come to light a little bit more. Um, what with the um, going back to one referee with the NRL and um, and how there's there's issues that, that were highlighted with that um, and the funding for referees, um, it's not real great. And and of course, when you look at referees at grassroots where they have to learn the game, like it, it's a shambles. Like there's no one that really runs it particularly well. They they just don't look after it. I mean, I've been through. Um, I've refereed several different sports, basketball being the, the one where I had the most success with, and I, I mean, I got up to national level with that, and it, it's just not something that, you know, like, it was so poorly organised that you just sit there going, like, well, how's this? Like, we, we've got one Olympic-level, maybe two now, actually, bas- Olympic-level basketball referees in Australia. That's it. Like, level five referees. We've got two, we've got such a massive, like, basketball culture in Australia. We have, like, it's such an important sport in Australia, yet the NBL took forever to get off the ground again, and even officials, we, we can't string together enough officials to go to the Olympics or anything like that. It's, it's terrible. So, like, I, I think that's just something they need to look at. You're right. Maybe they could up the salaries and, um, 
we want to get to a point where we can say, well, you get paid enough money to to be yelled at, so you know, suck it up, sweetheart. But unfortunately, <laughs> it doesn't happen. So look, that's that's pretty much yeah, that that's a fair point. Um, was there any anything else you wanted to to run through with that one? The, the last point I have is is with AFL, we don't we we don't need the NFL version of a referee. We don't need to question if every catch was actually a catch or if every pass there was a you know roughing the pass. We're not <laughs> arguing every single call in an AFL game. Good. It's the biggest decisions we care about are around goals, and that's where the if you have the technology for it. We don't care about if it was a mark or if it was on the full or whatever, you know, on the wing, mm. in the middle of nothing. It's it's mm. the the calls on the boundary line or is it the touch, the rush behinds, the marks just over the line. Mm. They're the ones that we really care about. So that's where the technology and the money needs to go. And that's it, really. No, I agree with you. That, that's a really good point, actually. That's a very good thing to very good point to to bring up. Is that it's the same with all sports. You're absolutely right. I mean, if the Yanks were just scrutinising touchdowns, it'd be a different matter. But they look at everything, whereas we we need to really focus on, on tries. We need to focus on... Um, I know with, with the NRL, it can be a little bit different where they can score a try from 100 metres out, um, whereas the AFL, typically speaking, they, you know, roost the top and mark it in the forward 50. Uh, you see what I did there? That was nice, right? That was that was good jargon. Good jargon. Good job. Okay, sweet. Yeah, I'm yeah, impressed. Appreciate it. Appreciate it. No. <laughs> Um, but they, but yeah, basically they they take it the forward fifty, and um, and then you you want to obviously focus on that point from there, and the point it takes the mark in the forward fifty to to kick in the goal. That's the sort of where you, where the money needs to go to, and that's where the focus really needs to be. Because while it's important to protect players, and, and you know, in the ruck or, or whatever it may be, um, it, it's just you know that that's where the the big that's where the that's the pointy end of the sword. That's where the big big bickies are made. So we'll see how we go, but I'm hoping that you know. They get better at it, but it, uh, I tell you, <laughs> it, it, it just doesn't seem to happen. Nah. All right. Well, look, let, let's go and have a look at something uh, a bit more lighthearted. Um, oh, what do we go first? Did we go? Do we go wanker of the week or Bondi's obscure sport last week first? Where did we go first last week? Uh, I don't remember. Oh, let's go Bondi because I'm, I'm real keen to hear this one. He talks about yeah, actually reality. true. Yeah, he's pumped us up. Like Bondi, yeah. what have we got, mate? What's your sport, mate? Now this sport got picked up. It's an Australian sport. It got picked up by Red Bull in 2017, um, and it's grown, or it's only based in uh, a little town called Renmark in South Australia. What it is tinny racing, right? Picked up by Red Bull, mind you, so there's got to be something in it. Oh, my God. So what these guys do, there's two blokes in a tinny, obviously, the guy on the tiller um, and the guy... Up the front, called the navigator or the swinger. Uh, depends on which term you favour. Um, but this is a 100-kilometre race. Um, these 30-horsepower tinnies um, get up to speeds of 90 k's an hour. And this is racing in swamps. There's trees, there's logs, there's all sorts of crap in your way. Um, and these guys are they're flying in these tinnies. Um, so, yeah, it's – I pulled it up and I – this is outrageous. Um, so I had to go with it. Uh, just for the absolute nutcase um, factor in this whole thing, um, there is no prize money. So this is all for <laughs> bragging rights. 
That's the best. <laughs> That's amazing. Uh, and you can tune these engines to within an inch of their life. The only rule is they need to be done with factory parts. You can't use any aftermarket parts. So Okay, fair enough. Yeah, you've got 30 horsepower um, engines that have been tuned up to closer to 50 or 60 uh, horses. Well, that's what you need when you're driving a tinny, mate. That's what you need. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. So, you know, travelling 50 (laughs) knots in down down this dodgy river in South Australia. I I just had this this vision of this, like, of this tinny where it's just like the propeller is the only thing in the water and it's just up on it like a massive angle and you can't see anything past it. (laughs) (laughs) No, well, 100%. So there are parts, particularly coming uh, on the return leg, uh, where it is just a prop in the water. So these things are singing along. Um, Yeah, and... Like I said, 100k race takes them. Um, the best time that I've seen is an hour and 10 minutes. Good um, job. Yeah, but these guys are moving. Um, definitely pull it up, have a look at it, um, and then just let it blow your mind at the absolute insanity. So for, for those that want to have a Google, look at the Red Bull Dinghy Derby, or, or possibly it's also called the Riverland Dinghy, Dinghy Club. Um, if you pop it into Google, it's it. There are some phenomenal tinnies. Guys are wearing helmets. It looks very intense. There's actually a guy on the front of the of the tinny to try and keep the weight down on the front so he can see where he's going. Um, it's it's brilliant. Well, they actually steer from the bow, so um, all the the point of steering is from the bow. So they're basically drifting around these corners. It's no leaning into it like your normal tinny. Um, yeah, they're hanging it out. Mate, jet boat racing can eat its heart out for all I could say. <laughs> I honestly thought this was based out of somewhere like Louisiana. In it looks America. like it, doesn't oh, it? <laughs> ding, 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 ding. Too many gators, Mate. I reckon. Otherwise, they would have been on it. Buddling, ding, 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 ding. Mate, this is from South Australia. Might as well be Louisiana. <laughs> <laughs> hey, you leave Renmark alone, all right? North <laughs> This is pretty epic, though. I'm watching it. There's like a one dude is virtually a counterbalance, so it doesn't yeah. flip, and the other guy is is it's actually an out just in the outboard, and he's just flinging this thing around. It's epic. Well, the the, the thing that that actually popped into my head was was two things. Now, two other races in the world that I can think of that are probably just as bonkers, and purely from the fact that it's not a a, a manicured course. Now, what I can think of is one is the Le Mans race, or Le Mans, if you're a Lee Mans, um, depending on how Aussie you want to get, if you're from Renmark. Um, but then the other race Le is the, Le Mans. Uh, the other one is the uh, the Isle of Man TT, um, where you, mm. the, they've got the... It's just basically going through some cobblestone streets, really, on a ridiculously high-powered motorcycle. So, uh, I mean, that's the kind of thing that, as absurd as it sounds, that's that's kind of what what's in my head when I think of a completely unmanicured river that they're just like, oh yeah, cool, let's just go for a, a fang around in the tinny, we'll see what happens. But yeah, absolutely. They have got one factor they take into account though. So the slower boats race first um, because they create less of a wake for the faster boats. But other than that, they're like, have at it, boys. Jesus. 
Oh mate, that's phenomenal. That's phenomenal. That's a great sport. That's that's a great one. And the the, but the I think what do you reckon the the most astounding fact is purely that it's no one gives a damn. They're not getting anything out of it except for the fact that they can just say, mate, my boat's faster than yours. Yeah, yeah. Like these guys, there are people travelling internationally, people travelling across from Perth, um, just to put their souped up dinghy in the water uh, and try not to hit a tree. It's amazing, mate. It's a, it's truly amazing. Um, they they're um they're they their sponsors are the Renmark Auto Servicing Club. Um, they, it's it's and and of course Red Bull. That's phenomenal. I love it. All right. Uh, any final thoughts or points on dinghy racing? No, get amongst it. I love it. <laughs> Have, take a punt. Um, all right, Cootsie, mate. Your wanker of the week, mate. I don't actually know where, where are you where are you going with it this week. So this week, I, I had to give it to Reece Stanley from Geelong. I posted this in the chat we had about the Hawks-Geelong game just because it, it blew my mind in the contrast of things. So specifically the goal he kicked from the goal square against the Hawks. Stepping away, I thought we'd step away from the aggravated assault with the deadly weapon and the stalking-related <laughs> wankers of the week we've had in the mm. past. Something a little yeah. bit more light-hearted. <laughs> so in, in, in a normal circumstance... In a, in a game of footy, when you're all alone in the goal square, no one's near you, you, you sink your boot in, the, try and kick the leather off the ball. You put it in the 912th row of wherever you're playing. Mm-hmm. The crowd loves it. They get around you. You know, it's, it, you know, it's all good stuff. Yeah. However, in the current COVID climate that AFL is played in, when you sink that ball into the 900th row of GMHBA, whatever they're um, Kidinia Park's called now down at Geelong. Mm. There is no one in row 912 <laughs> to get the football and throw it back down to the field umpire. So to Reece Stanley, turn it up. Like, there's no crowd to celebrate to there, brother. You've just kicked the ball into the stratosphere and some poor pleb who works at GMHBA Stadium, who I'm sure is a volunteer anyway. He's got his own personal PT session to jog up all these flights of stairs to retrieve oh. this football and throw it back down. I just, in a lot of things, in the more serious wankers we've had, I saw that and I'm like, there's nothing all weekend that's going to be going to beat that. No, that's that's. It's, there, <laughs> there is an honourable mention here, and this comes from the Thursday night game. An honourable oh, yep. mention this week was AFL commentator Brian Taylor. Yeah, go who, for it. He struggles with his words at the best of times. That is true. But in the midst, in the midst of a drawn game between Collingwood and Richmond, sometimes Brian tends to state the obvious. He does. He really does, mate. He's, okay, go for it. And in the midst of a drawn game, with everyone a bit removed about what happens, Brian Taylor just has to commentate. Well, there's no winners here, is there? That's. He's, he's, and you can hear his co-commentator going, well, no, Brian, it's a draw, right? We, By definition, we, there are no winners him, here, mate. We've got to give him that one. Technically, he's correct, but... Uh, <laughs> well, he's not wrong, exactly right. He's not wrong. <laughs> but, yeah. You know, I just, whoever, whoever scores more points is going to win this game, for sure. Oh, what an insight to sport. Whoever kicks more points than the other teams, they're... Better half of winning, absolutely, yes. That's right, But I exactly. just thought, yeah, with, with all the more serious wankers we'd have, when I saw Reece Stanley do that, you, you, you win it. Well, keep it, things light-hearted in the midst of everything. It's sensational. Oh. No, I, I loved it. He's basically the Australian Yogi Vera. <laughs> I 
I reckon bring in the backyard footy rules. Whoever kicks it goes and gets it. Yeah. <laughs> yes, that's right. You mentioned that. I mean, that was a great one. Mate, Reece Stanley, if you boot that up there again, you're going up there yourself, son. <laughs> exactly right. There you go. There you go. Just the, the, the pleb that went up there for the fourth time that game. He's like, right. Yeah. <laughs> Belts him across the ear and says, mate, get up there. Hurry up. Chop, chop. That's it, mate. <laughs> Oh mate, that's that's tremendous. No, that that's I, I love them. I, I love that. That was because I remember we, you called it early. Um, he said it's a, an early early call for Waker of the Week, and uh, I, I loved it. That was that's a great one. I, I um, I, it is true though. I mean, like I, I do I do kind of feel for him because on any other any other normal year, you'd be stoked. You could like belt the crap out of the ball, and everyone's like, yeah, drilled at home. It's like it's like when you. Sink a pool shot and you just nail it straight in the corner pocket. And you're like you're stoked, you know. Like look at me go, I'm I'm hardcore. But then you know when some poor bloke in a raincoat has to run 400 yards up the steps and he's knackered, like it's just yeah, it's ridiculous. All right, um, look, we 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 are going long, but look, I I didn't get to do it last week, so look, I, I want to I'm going to start doing some stuff where because I, I always rag on teams and I don't I don't always hate teams, but I do talk about like how I hate Hawthorne. And, Port Adelaide, Adelaide Crows, Manly, pretty much anyone that's not Collingwood and the Cowboys. Um, <laughs> Just a few teams, mate. Yeah, there's a few. There's a few. <laughs> like, like, I could pretty much sit here for quite a while and just rattle off teams I don't like. Um, most of it's on principle. Um, for example, Adelaide, I hate on principle. That's um, like, it's just how it is. Um, but like, for me, like, I was going to say something nice about Port Adelaide. I mean, as, apart from the fact that they no longer have any of the Corns family playing for them, um, which was a smart move. Um, but uh, yeah, he, was he one of our wanker of the weeks? Was he an honourable mention? Uh, Mr. Kane Corns has been wanker of the week before. He's, he's come close before. This was the guy who dubbed Alex Alex Jeselenko's mark of the century is overrated. That's right, that's yes. right, he, that's right, the mark of the century was overrated because if you take away everything that made the mark great, it's not that great. Exactly right, yeah. <laughs> oh, mate. Anyway, well, look, I was going to say something nice about Port Adelaide. Um, it's, it's very difficult to, you know, um, I mean, you know, the, to, to say something nice about a team you don't like. But look, one of them genuinely, one of the genuine things that they actually do um, is that they do run these things called youth programs. Now, they they get in there, and I know it's something that it's AFL does quite well, but Port does it very, very well. What they do is they actually go into all these schools throughout the year, and they do a three-week program where they have um, they go in and they basically have motivational speakers come in. Um, they don't just teach them how to do footy stuff. They teach them how to do life skills, um, they get into primary schools and, and they sort of, you know, teach the kids some basic hand-eye coordination, life skills and, and get on with it and they actually do a great job. Um, and then of course, if they show any aptitude, they sign them to a contract, um, for future when they turn 18. Um, that's, it's brilliant. No kidding. They don't really do that. That was a joke, boys. It's okay. <laughs> but, uh, like, but, uh, actually, to be fair though, they actually do that with soccer in China. Have you seen that? It's, it's pretty mental. So in, they, they actually have an academy for kids, right? And they basically start them from about three years old. And if they show aptitude, they can actually sign an intent to play for a particular squad from like the parents can sign it up and get them in the development squads to play. It's, it's, it's insane, man. Anyways, but Port Adelaide, they actually do a great job and they do get in there and, um, 
they uh, they do some great grassroots footy, um, and they actually go and um, really get a good message out there to to you know work hard in school and and try and set goals and achieve that sort of stuff. Um, so good on them for doing that um, and keep that sort of thing up. I hope they keep doing it. I mean, it's it's something that I think is missing a lot. I, I know when I was a kid it meant a lot, but um, it seems like a lot of clubs don't really get involved in the community stuff as much as they used to. So, do you guys find that? Oops, sorry, Cootsie, I've lost you. Oh, sorry, uh, Bondi, I mean. I haven't really seen too much of it. I mean, obviously there was the faux par a month ago uh, with the high school incident. Oh, the Bulldogs, yeah. <laughs> um, that, that's, a, that's a regular occurrence. Maybe we need to make that a regular segment. <laughs> yeah. But um, I, I do think that they do get out there. I don't think there's that level of engagement where you're signing a three-year-old with aptitude to play soccer. <laughs> um, but, I, yeah, I do think there is... A, a bit of touch and feel with the community. Um, does it need to be a greater um, level? Maybe. Uh, but then you're looking at um, diving into the training time, the um, the players' time to themselves, their families, that kind of stuff. So, um, yeah, you've got to find that balance. And um, maybe some retired players is, is the touch point that we need. Um, in that area, um, players like Jonathan Thurston, Matty Bowen, to name a couple of the North mm-hmm. Queensland greats, um, just to get out there and to do stuff like that. I know Matty Bowen is um, a representative for the Cowboys House up here, which um, is a program similar to that. So, um, yeah, it is out there. Um, I just don't know how how big it is. I don't hear too much about it, unfortunately. Well, I think that's the point, though, isn't it? Like, um, it, it's it's something that I think community engagement it happens, but it's just not as prominent as it used to be. Um, when I see players, I mean, obviously there's a lot more money in the states, of course, but when I see players like JJ Watt, um, Chris Long, and a few of these other guys raising an obscene amount of money um, for for you know various community engagement programs, etc., cetera, etc., cetera, I think. I just feel like Australia could be doing a lot more. I mean, Port Adelaide is one of the clubs that actually does a really good job. They do. That's just one of their youth programs. They've actually got quite a few. Um, they're actually one of the better clubs that does youth engagement, and I think they do a very good job of it. Um, that's why I brought them up. I mean, I hate Port Adelaide on principle, and I think that they're an abomination unto the unto the world. But um, but they uh, at least do do some good youth engagement. That's that's um, that's one of the things I think that they do quite well. Um, but yeah, that's, that's pretty much it for me. I just wanted to say something nice about a team that I hate. I'll do that. I'll try and do that every week. I'll see how I go. See if I can find a team. I mean, it won't be hard for me to find a team that I hate. It's more seeing if I can say something nice about it. <laughs> but, um, but, uh, alright. So did, now, did you guys have any other final points you, you wanted to run through or anything else you wanted to, you know, have a chat about? No, no man, I'm Yeah. Sweet, nice one. All right, lads. Well, look, that was a great pod. We've cracked. Uh, we're almost at an hour twenty, so we've definitely done our time. Um, all right, but I'll uh, I will leave it there. Thanks so much, and make sure you jump on and uh, subscribe, listen, and all that. Download and leave reviews. Thank you. Well, that's the end of the episode, and thanks so much for listening. And tune in next time for some more next level content. And please do make sure you subscribe and review. It's a big help to us. Cheers.